Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We have this need constantly as human beings to blame someone or give someone the credit. Yeah. In the ultimate team sport, right. that we, we can sit here and we know, we know, okay, what are some of the other reasons Buffalo lost that game? They had a linebacker out there, A.J. Klein, was about to take his family on vacation, <laughs> who walked into a game against the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid goes, okay, right. how about this? Right. We're going to wear you, we're going to put 13 person on the field and you're going to leave nickel on the field. What do you think is going to happen? Right. Isaiah Pacheco is going to look like Tristan Okoye out here. <laughs> and that's what happened. That's man. what happened. Yeah. Great you know what? We want to blame someone because we like to have someone say it was you. Yeah. And that's what we do to quarterbacks. Lewis Reddick on ESPN about, you know, the conversation they're having about how much does Josh Allen deserve for blame. And, you know, he went to, hey, there are other things that happen in football games. A.J. Klein not supposed to be out there. He was. And Andy Reid and the Chiefs saw that and said, like, yeah, okay, see you later. We're not going to have any problem moving the ball. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe on this Wednesday morning. It is a little warmer today. A little bit. Flood warnings as everything melts. It's why it's so foggy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's warm enough and melting fast enough that you can hear it melting outside. Yeah, you walk in your driveway, you'll just hear water. You or... hear the water dripping from the gutter. So you can't you can't walk <laughs> under your gutter because you're gonna get massive raindrops like on your on your head. Or I was actually looking and casing icicles yesterday. Like, was would that thing take me out? If that thing fell, would it take me out? Yeah. You got to get a hockey stick and, uh, and whack I, those down. I, I got to work on some of them. I, then I started throwing snowballs at them too to knock them down. Hockey stick's an underrated like tool. Tool, yeah. For that, for especially if, yeah. if I'm knocking down icicles, what what would I rather have? Right. That's that's number one. Like a a rake. That's not going to work. I have a repurposed hockey stick as a snow scraper. Okay. You take it. Is it you... like a snow scraper at the end of like a it's hockey just, shaft? Like a, it's like a long. Yep. No. It's well. It's a cut down hockey stick shaft yeah and then you yeah. put like a little scraper on one end and the bristles on the other yeah it's pretty cool there's a whole market for those like the uh my buddy is the grill tools that are all like uh hockey, hockey, hockey sticks yeah. nice 8030550 is our phone number we will get to sal capaccio coming up in the seven thirty segment to talk about yesterday's end of season press conference for the bills gm and coach mm-hmm so, Joe, I asked you to do your best to see if you, you could ever find a spot where Sean McDermott had talked about how important it was to have explosive plays on offense. Because yesterday he said mm-hmm. how important it is to have explosive plays. And he even sounded like, when talking about it, one of the, I'll just say it, like one of the fancy stats, analytics, one of the writers in football that would do a story about drives with an explosive play are three times more likely to score. McDermott sounded like he had that at the ready about how important yeah. an explosive play is to an offense. And I don't know that he's ever said explosive plays are important to my offense, but he did yesterday. So what did you find 
in the history of McDermott saying the words explosive plays. So doing a Twitter search from 2017 to New Year's Eve of 2023. So this would be like any time a writer yeah, quotes yeah. him. Yes. McDermott. So it is possible he said it and didn't have it quoted, but I but feel like... Is, whatever, it's a pretty good look at transcripts, maybe. Exactly. Uh, he's only McDermott has only ever said the word explosive when referencing opponents. Which he's done a bunch of times, by the way. He's called Dallas Explosive. He's called uh, Denver Explosive. He's called Kansas City Explosive, Cincinnati Explosive. But he's never, to, to what I saw, he's never called his own team Explosive. Or has said anything about need for explosive plays, want for explosive plays. Again, at least by what's been quoted, he's been quoted of saying on Twitter. Um, some of that could be... And I, I always have this thought when someone makes a comment about the Bills and him always talking about wanting to run the ball better. I'm not saying he never brings it up unprompted. I'm sure he does. But he got asked about explosive plays yesterday. Right? Yep. That's why he was talking about it. He was he, If he doesn't get asked, maybe even Sal was the one who asked the question. If he doesn't get asked about explosive plays, he doesn't talk about explosive plays. And... He gets asked about, he used to more so, I guess, get asked about the run game on the daily. Right. So that's a big reason why there is so much talk from him about wanting to run the ball better. We want to run the ball better. Because what else is he going to say? He's not going to say we don't, right? Right. And if he gets a pointed question about something specific, he's going to say, well, we want to do that better no matter what it is. The, where my optimism comes in is, you just said it. There, there. It is out there. There are statistical proof that if you get an explosive play on a drive, you're whatever thirty percent more likely to score. And McDermott did sound like he knows that yeah. when asked about it yesterday. Yeah, think, thinking about what this offense has placed value in since you know we've got a tweet up here about since the Eichel trade, what the Sabers have done since the Diggs trade, what the Bills have done has been show an increased desire to have running backs and tight ends. Right. More than receiver, really. Right. I mean, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders for a year, but, you know, look at what they did at running back. They have, of course, they drafted Zach Moss because they want a guy that was a hammer. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't work out. They traded him away. They drafted James Cook to be a pass catcher. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick to be a pass catcher. They got Naheem Hines to be a pass catcher in the run game. Right. They signed Damian Harris to be a hammer. They signed Latavius Murray to be a hammer. Right. They've got these very specific roles carved out at running back that they keep chasing, and they draft a tight end so they can put two tight ends on the field, and none of those elements really speak to explosive plays. No, no. Their offense of keeps, of keeps chasing specific roles rather than... And, and it's funny that the matchup nightmare is all, all, also, when you're talking about whether it's Cook or Kincaid, the matchup linebacker is guys that would win matchups against linebackers. Right. Which teams aren't incorporating as much anymore. No. Right? Like, you're not seeing base defenses where, in, in 2003, Dalton Kincaid would be a nightmare. Like, you wouldn't be able to cover him. If you had Kincaid and James Cook running routes on the, on the daily, and it was 2003, you wouldn't be able to stop them. But defenses now are more capable than ever of, okay, we're, we're fine. We're fine covering James Cook. We're fine figuring out a way to cover Dalton Kincaid. We face these guys every week. So... That that is, I mean, there's no doubt that's why they're missing the explosive plays. It it also could be, did they overvalue? Did they did they think too much of Gabe Davis? Because Gabe Davis was that early in his career. That's all right. of his 
all of his numbers, yards per reception was one where like he led the league for like four years um, running, three years running, yeah. because all of his plays were down the field. He was their deep threat. And now that his role got expanded and maybe defenses started to respect him a little bit more, did they overvalue Gabe Davis in that way? Did they think he could just be their deep threat for as long as he was going to be starting? Because, you know, he's not a burner. He's not someone that just get, naturally gets open down the field. Was he getting open because of other things that were happening in the offense? Um, I don't know. But that's a part of it, too, is not who they brought in. But maybe they brought those guys in. Maybe they ignored receiver because they thought Gabe Davis legitimately could be a number two that consistently is big, is getting big plays down the field. Yeah. No, that's right. He did do that. And... You know, going back two years ago, our big concern was they didn't have anybody behind Davis and Diggs on the outside, and then that was basically true last year too. Until it got to Sherfield, and he let you down as well. I'm looking at market value. We will get to a call here in one moment. Market value because on Davis, being said, we you know of course we'd be. I don't want to. Josh, you have the exact cut. You can find him talking about Davis and them liking to bring him back. I don't want to. I don't wanna put the wrong words in his mouth about we'd be crazy not to mm. explore it or be open to it. You know, what he's doing there is not shutting the door on Davis. Right. Because if it came back at the right number, what's the right number? For me, it's like veteran minimum. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not to be rude to Gabe Davis, but Spot Track put, puts Gabe's value at $13.5 million. And there's just yeah, absolutely no, no, there's no chance. There's absolutely no way that that is happening for the Bills. If it does, it'll be a massive mistake. Yeah. I, I mean, $8 million is too much. You, you don't want to commit that money when you can do a second round receiver who can give you all the same stuff. Well, in, in the lack of explosive plays and what McDermott said about that yesterday, and also, I mean, he did make the comment about, I cut my teeth from Andy Reid, and like I believe in pass first. I mean, they, for four years, are the second pass happiest team in the league. They went down in a big way the second half of the year. And listening to both McDermott and Bean yesterday, mostly McDermott, I, I, I want to believe more than ever that... They ran the ball more under Joe Brady because they got to the bye week or they got to Brady as the coordinator, and McDermott and whoever went looked around and said, we can't throw it like we normally did because we just don't have the players to do that it. That would jive, except that Dorsey did. Dorsey did what? Throw the ball like that. But it wasn't working. Or they were, it, they were, they were losing, at least. No, they were turning the ball over occasionally, and their defense went... But was that because Josh was trying to make throws that used to be there that are no longer there because his, be right. the guys aren't open anymore? I mean, Diggs was open. Diggs was off on his way to a career season. All, all I mean is, like, we have 65 games of sample before that say that they – and Dable was here and, like, I, I don't know. But whatever. McDermott was the head coach for 65 games where the Chiefs were the only team in the league that threw it more than they did. And the last nine – they were like middle of the pack. Right. I think they were I think they were fourteenth neutral situation under Joe Brady for, for pass rate. So am I to believe I, I don't know, like the way he sounded to yesterday makes me want to think, don't worry about it. We're gonna we're gonna fix this and we're gonna get back to our bread and butter, which is we have Josh Allen at quarterback. Of course we're gonna throw the ball top three in the league. Yeah. I it's- wanna believe that. Eight oh three oh five fifty. So Gabe Davis's market value is thirteen. I did two others. T. Higgins is 18 on spot track. Okay. And Michael Pittman Jr. is 22.7 market value they on got spot Pittman track. that much higher than Higgins? I was a little surprised by that too, but oh, yeah. I think there's plenty out there that says Michael Pittman is a legitimate number one. Yes. Higgins is maybe that too. I mean, he's been. But we haven't in, seen him in that role. We have when Chase is out and he's been great. Okay. So yeah. 
I, I don't know. For, yeah. for whatever, take it for what it's worth. Michael Pittman at twenty two point seven. So well, in in Bean saying they won't close the door to Davis, the Milano example will always come up because no one thought they'd bring him back. And, and they same did. with John Feliciano. But the reason yeah. was we didn't think the Bills could afford those guys on how much they were going to get on the market, right. and we did want them back. Right, well, you would have wanted Milano back on a decent size contract because he's one of the best in the league. Right, and with Davis, that is not the case. No. Like what? At what price would you want him back? Like, he, if if you can get him on, I, I mentioned yesterday, like go get me an Emmanuel Sanders type. You know, you know what I take Davis uh, like if on. Take that. I take Davis on like Deontay Hardy's deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't mean to sound insulting. That is about what he makes, like four millions. What he made in his final year. Well, and I wonder. Right, like I wonder what the likelihood is. Where are they at on that? Like, would they give him seven million a year? Would they give him eight million dollars a year? I mean, I hope not. No way. But. To me, what happens, like what might happen is Davis gets to the market, like he said he's going to do in March, and all these teams are going to look at this historically deep receiver class where you might have 10 guys that you could seriously believe are going to come right in and produce for you right away. And Davis on the free agent list, like last year was a weak class where Juju and Alan Lazard were like the top of the top of the list. And this year with Pittman and Higgins and uh, Mike Evans and they're just there's a bunch of guys. Davis, uh, Mike Clay, I saw from ESPN had Davis ranked as like his seventh ranked free agent wide receiver that's going to hit the open market. So if that's the case, I mean teams might have 17, 18 better ideas than Gabe Davis. He, I, I don't know, I don't think he's going to get thirteen million dollars with all of that being true. There's, it's too, it's too deep. There's too many other ideas for receiver needy teams this offseason than Gabe Davis. 8030550. Davis is coming off a deal as a fourth round pick that paid him $4 million for four years. Total? Total value. Wow, that's wild. Four years, 3.9. So he deserves to get paid, and I hope he does, and I mm-hmm. wish him all the luck in the world. Well, would I take him back on the Bills? I'd take him back on Hardy's contract and not much more. Dan and Depew. Hey, Dan, good morning. Hey, you know, it's funny you guys were just talking. That one of the things I was going to talk about was the Hardy deal. I think Hardy was a waste of money. I know he's a punt returner. I was like, I would keep Davis if he if we could get him for five or six million because he at least catches the ball. Paying five million for uh, Hardy was a waste of money. Sheffield just didn't work out. We need to load up on wide receivers. It's about putting points on the board and outscoring Patrick Mahomes. You already got the two tight ends. You already got the line somewhat, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Diggs doesn't really – Diggs we're probably going to keep. He's a great receiver, but he's getting old. I don't care if we have to draft a receiver and get one in free agency, but you have to load up on wide receivers, and it's about putting points on the board because it ain't working with defense and trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. You know, Von Miller, old. It ain't working out. Just load up on offense. Yeah. Load up on offense and go, Josh Allen, you are the second best quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. There you go. Now you got five wide receivers. I don't care how they got to do it, but I I don't care if you got a, your first three drafts are wide receivers. <laughs> Just load up on offense. Try something different, but my biggest fear is they're not going to, and we're just going to have Shakir and Diggs, and it's going to come down to just Shakir as our only receiver in the playoffs because Diggs doesn't show up against the Chiefs. Thank well, you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. I mean, they're going to do something. They're not walking yeah. into next season. I mean, look at who's under contract. They're, to me, the least likely outcome is they walk into next season and Justin Shorter is their starting receiver opposite of Diggs. Yeah. Let me give you two names 
that the Bills will not have next year. But you can cling to these two names as mm, hope. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. Now, why do I say those names? Because they were supposed to be shot and old. Yep. And they are not. Keenan Allen, right? Supposed to be toast. He had a great year. Why do I bring them up? Well, Diggs is getting older. That doesn't mean it's over for him. Right. He had a bad eight games. He had a really bad playoff game. He has been one of the best receivers in the sport for a long stretch. Mm -hmm. He is elitely talented. He is an elite receiver. He did not play like one for eight games. It's a little bit like your point about you trust that McDermott won't be as run-heavy as they were. You think it's because they didn't have the receivers. Okay. I saw Keenan Allen and Mike Evans in their year 30-31 seasons have tremendous years. Now, I know you will point to, not incorrectly, Julio Jones hit a wall and was gone. Yeah. But it doesn't have to go that way. And there's also oh, that's right. there's a point there on Von Miller, too, like, you know, hoping that Miller can be great for them next year. It might be a hope, but I uh, you know, I, I would have yeah. I would have much, much, much more faith in Diggs being just fine next year. A big contributor, a thousand yards again, and being back in everyone's good graces. I expect him on the team. I don't expect him to be traded. The salary cap situation is, is what it is. But I'm looking towards Evans and Keenan Allen as reminders, great receivers might have a bad stretch. Doesn't mean they're old and shot immediately every time. Well, especially the the good news is the injury history with Diggs is not so substantial that like that really is a big reason why Julio Jones and AJ Green, like those two were premier receivers of their generation that were done by the time they got to thirty one years old. They both had tons of injuries racked up on giant bodies. And where I might have some confidence, Evans doesn't guess doesn't fit for this, but Allen does. Keenan Allen is like, what do Julio Jones and AJ Green have in common? Their bodies broke down. Why were they great? Because they were superhuman freaks, right? They were they were like cyborgs out there. They were designed in labs. They were so athletic. They were just more athletic than you. That's, well, that's, it's a big reason why they were like. The best receivers of their generation. I, I would agree. I mean, Julio Jones is an all-timer in terms and, of... And Diggs is more just like ta- tactical, technician. I mean, he is not the receiver he is because he's a better athlete than you. He's a He is the receiver he is because he understands route running. He understands coverages um, and, you know, how his, bo- his own body works better than anybody else. It's funny you say that because as we get into this draft process and we see highlights, there are going to be plenty of highlights of... Young receivers, as we're talking, receiver train, you know, choo-choo, baby. Yeah, get on board. We're, we, we've been here. We're happy to have you. The thing that I'm going to say a lot, Joe, and this kind of speaks to your point, is you know what's going to impress me more than a highlight reel, one-handed, backhand catch on the sideline that's made on mm-hmm. a throw that's errant is a guy that shakes a guy loose all the time and gets open. Mm-hmm. Like the highlight reel route tree is more important to me than the highlight reel catch. And you can fall in love yeah. with the 6'4 guy that makes a catch on the sideline on a bad throw. I'm counting on an offense that's going to be pinpoint and perfect because Josh Allen's amazing. Right. And that guy's going to make catches. And he's going to be open all the time because he's so good at it. The four, There are four guys that have had in the last decade that have had multiple 1,000-yard seasons in their 30s. They're all what we're talking about. 
they're all like, I mean, some some of these guys are playing in the slot. It's Larry Fitzgerald, Julian Edelman, Anquan Bolden, and Vincent Jackson. Those are the only four guys that have done it multiple times in their 30s. Diggs is already on one, so he would join that list by having another 1,000-yard season. Keenan Allen, by the way, could add to that list next year, too. Um, but what do all those guys have in common? I mean, they're all what we're talking about. None of those are the six five George Pickens gigantors that you're just throwing jump balls to. Yeah. CJ in Buffalo before the break. Good morning, CJ. Are you there? CJ, are you there? All right, you know what, CJ? We're going to put you on hold. We're going to get to Sal. We'll bring you back in when Sal joins us. Sal, to recap the uh, press conference from yesterday, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both spoke down at One Bills Drive, and we'll get Sal's thoughts and yours as well. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. To the corner for Greenway. He pl- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Plays it to an open side where Thompson gets over there. Thompson to the slot. Here's a chance. Scores! Kyle Pozo with 2.56 to go. Has Buffalo back within one. It's 3-2 Anaheim in the third period. Comeback ever from the Sabres falls short. Kyle Pozo scoring the goal there. One of the moments of the game brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. Gabe's a good player in this league. Whether you want to call him a, a number two or number whatever you want to call him, he's a good player, and he's earned the right to see where his market's at. And we'd be a fool not to want him back. It has to work for him, and it has to work for us. Bill Jim Brandon Bean, part of what he had to say yesterday at the end-of-season press conference. Sean McDermott spoke for a while. Brandon Bean spoke for... I think a little over an hour. Sal Capaccio was there and joins us now on the Western Hotline to chat about this uh, this chat from both the coach and the GM. Sal, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought yesterday I thought yesterday was uh, you know a good day as far as you know learning what maybe their thought process is heading into the off season. I think Brandon is generally you know Sean's a little more guarded when he talks a lot, but. I thought he did a good job of kind of, you know, giving some insight into things as well. But Brandon generally is in that regard. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was Brandon Bean saying that he, you know, they're always going to be competitive. There's no, hey, what did he say? Like, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to, you know, we're not going to take a year off here. You know, they they feel that they can still do this. They want to do this. They're going to do what they have to do to stay as competitive for a championship as they can. And there's not going to be like some sort of reset. Sean echoed those sentiments. Um, for Sean, I think, um, and for both of them, I think it was very revealing, Jeremy, that you heard this, and I'm sure you guys have been talking about it. You'd be happy of, you know, they, they feel they need to be more explosive on offense. They need more, you know, I, I think, you know, they didn't come out and say, we got to go get a wide receiver. But even even Brandon pointing to signing K.J. Hamler on the practice squad. I know that I'm not saying like they think it's a big fix. He was just using it as an example of they're out there looking for speed right now. And they need more explosiveness. So I think that that's kind of going to be a theme here heading into the offseason. Yeah, Sal, I asked Joe this question. And, you know, we've talked about 
run pass balance, a million different things. This might have been the first time I'd ever heard McDermott talk about the the importance of explosive plays on offense. And again, without making it, was it the first time? It's not something that's come up a lot. Joe said he was asked about it, but I, I wonder if you feel like McDermott was a little bit more forthcoming in the idea that, yeah, yeah, the offense definitely needs a little bit of help. Yeah, I would say so. And it's probably just because of the setting, because of the nature of the questions. You're right. Maybe it's just, you know, we never had that. You know, you, you get so little time during the season, things are happening. Now you're in the off season. you're looking big picture. That's part of the reason. I think the other one that, you know, came up was, and you guys know, and we've, we, you know, this has been out there a little bit kind of, you know, I, I put some video out for the answer, but I thought it was really important. You know, we had so many questions. People call us, talk to us, text us, whatever, and say to us, fans say all the time, maybe we've had the discussion. Maybe you guys feel this way. I don't know that Sean McDermott's a defensive coach. He's conservative. He's just going to put a puppet man in OC and somebody who's going to run the offense he wants to run and dial it back and those kinds of things. I, nothing he said yesterday indicates any of that. And in fact, he basically said that's not true. And I asked him specifically that question. I said, some fans think, or there are, there are fans who think you are a defensive coach, therefore conservative, therefore want to dial it back. And that leads to what I asked him was, you know, the kind of offensive coordinator you want. Is it you're going to run what I want you to run? Or is it, hey, bring ideas to the table and we're going to do it what's fits best for our team? And he said, as far as the, you know, what the, the, the kind of thought process people have on him, he said, it's not true. He said, I cut my teeth around Andy Reid. I believe in pass first, throw to win especially when you have a guy like Josh Allen at this point in his career and what he can do. But he then did say, yeah, but I do believe you have to run the ball when you need to run the ball, especially when the weather turns, especially when you know teams are focusing on the pass and daring you to run, especially in certain critical situations. He said, I do believe in winning in the trenches. And I would say when you say winning in the trenches, people think that, that automatically you get to uh, uh, brute football. I, I don't think he means that necessarily all the time. Sure, it's sometimes I think he means winning your one-on-ones and pass blocking as well. But I thought that was a very – I'm glad we got that on record. And, of course, it didn't matter. Once he says that, people still want to tell you, well, it's not true. But I think Joe put up some numbers, or you guys have, that mm-hmm. it kind of is true. They have been passed first. So, um, you know, I, you still have a lot of the fans who heard that and think that, you know, I guess he's lying or being disingenuous. But I just thought it was good to finally get that on the record and him say, that's not true. I'm not conservative as a defensive coach. I want to throw the ball. That's my philosophy here. And, yes, explosive plays he also talked about. Right. Yeah, like, I don't even mind. I'm sure, like, a lot of fans, like, the core thing they're worried about, Sal, isn't even, you know, whether or not McDermott's involved in the offense. It's more, is he involved in the offense and making it more run-heavy? Is he making it too conservative? I don't have a problem if McDermott's involved, but what he said is his philosophy. Just whatever happens to get to what they've been. And the numbers on it are that in the four years he's been the head coach since Allen took the big jump, they're the second pass-happiest team in the league. And he kind of said that. like That's been my uh, mantra really since Allen has been what he's been. So I, I listened to what he said, and maybe you had the same takeaway. I don't know of listening to what he said about that and what he said about explosive plays. And I wanted to believe more than ever that the reason they got more run-heavy at the end of the year was more a product of their personnel than what they want to be, I guess, fundamentally. Um, Yes, I think I would probably agree with that. You know, that they were... I, I think I got to a place and a point of... You know, they also recognize what we've been talking about and that they need to work around the roster and the skill position to get more explosive. 
personnel wise. And it's not philosophy. And it's the same thing when people might ask, well, well then why did they run here? Why did they run that? Why did they run, you know, the ball? And say, why, you know, why didn't they take more shots? And I, I think the answer might lie in the fact that they just didn't have the people to do it and weren't confident enough to do it. And, you know, if you do it and it misses, then you're talking second and 10 and third and eight. And sure, maybe you could try those. I, I'll, I'm fine with that. If you people, if people think that that it's still worth a try, but I think it goes more to that than it does to, well, I just don't want to do it. If that makes sense. Right. And then on top of that, you know, um, you know, uh, Brandon Bean said he still believes that Stefan Diggs is a number one wide receiver. Now we can definitely debate that. And I don't know if he still is. It seems like that's not been the case, but he believes that. And he said, but he needs more help around him to help him get open and do some of the things. So I just think that was revealing about what their thought process is going into the off season. Sal, there's a little bit of turning the page, maybe on Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer and Sean McDermott talked about those two. And those two talked, of course, together after the game. Maybe we didn't spend enough time with those two. And I saw Micah Hyde's wife put out a statement a little bit like, hey, thanks for everything. Wherever we go, we'll always be part of Bill's Mafia as he contemplates retirement or going somewhere else. And I just wonder how you felt about the whole vibe that they're going to, again, like they're not going to tear it down to the studs. They're not going to do anything drastic. Uh -uh. But the way I've referred to it is like this is the start of the second window of the Josh Allen era. The first window maybe closes because of the number of veterans in the last couple of years that are, that are out. And now it's going to be Josh Allen leading in theory, a younger team over the next few years. Yeah. I like the way you put that, Jeremy. And speaking of younger, Brandon Bean said it, he said, we're going to have to get younger at some positions. And then you look right at safety. I thought it was very interesting, revealing. It just was noted to me personally, like in my head, when Sean talked about Micah and Jordan, he constantly was talking in the past tense. And I don't know if that was only because he wanted to lump them together for what they've done, which I think was part of it, or if it just was a very clear indication that neither will be around. I don't know that. But clearly we know Micah Hyde at his age with his injury history at his neck and now his, he is a free agent. I just feel that's very unlikely. I'm, I wouldn't say it's zero percent for jordan poyer <clears throat> but they save but, you know, about five, also, five and a half if he's gone yeah i just i don't see how they can make it work at his age and what their situation is I and mean, even being when he came up said I, I don't know if i've ever seen two safeties play together for seven years it's amazing and i just the tone i got listening to both of them was it was a well i say this it was very very reflective from both of them and even if it was only just to kind of sing their praises and thank them, like, I understand. But it was very reflective. And on the heels of him saying we have to get younger at some positions, it just feels like that's the number one area where there's going to be a significant change from what we've had for the last while. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. Sal, uh, on contract stuff, uh, I think Bean got a question about this. I'm not sure. I don't think McDermott did. Um, the idea of... Von Miller getting suspended and then getting their way out of that contract because of that. Did they? I didn't hear anything yesterday when at least Bean talked about it that would imply that that's a a scenario they're really thinking about. No, would you agree? No, I I didn't hear any questions, but it might just be because simple fact is they talked about Von Miller being on the team right. and they talked about Von Miller getting back to his old self. So I think the plan right now is that Von Miller's on the Bills in 2024. Anything that happens off the field that might prevent that or might impact that um 
you know, has that that would be tackled at that time. Okay. And otherwise, when it comes to Bean, you know, how forthcoming did he sound on, you know, the offense and um, like their, their identity when it comes to Kincaid, Knox working together? Because, I mean, that's going to be a big topic of conversation, I'm sure, this offseason of how, you know, that w- will mesh together going forward and how it went. Um, how did you think Bean and even McDermott sounded on that specifically? It's a good question. I have to kind of remember which guy spoke about which things sometimes. I think it was Bean who actually was yes, directly yeah. asked this. I think it was him. And the indication I got was that they feel very confident that they can make this work with both of them, and they felt good about where they were at the end of the year with both of them on the field at the same time. Um, so I don't foresee any changes there, especially considering they just gave Knox the extension a couple of years ago, and you know you, you're just you're probably hurting yourself more by not having him around. And you know he's a good player, and look at I mean Knox got hurt. You, you still have Dalton Kincaid. If Dalton Kincaid misses time, you have depth there. That's good too. So I felt that you know they feel. Not necessarily they have to be total 12 heavy, but that both those guys can work together. They can have them and, you know, what they can do together. You know, if you're looking at the roster, the identity, and things like that, the one thing I'll say, guys, is about, you know, if you want to look at something really positive here, this is the first time, I think, that really in their regime, maybe, we've gone into an offseason with basically zero questions about the O-line. Like, their five are intact, and on top of that, they have... Everybody coming back except for David Edwards. He's a free agent, and you could probably just re-sign David Edwards. Mm. I put up my annual chart in case you didn't see it. It's at my Twitter feed at South Sports. But Dawkins, Morris, Brown, McGovern, Torrance, Bates, Vandermark, Alec Anderson, Tommy Doyle, even they're all under contract, and they were good this year. The O line was good this year. Did they have? Were they perfect? No. They were healthy. They were good. They were good pass blocking. Josh had a very low sack rate. They were good in the run game. I think at least if you're if you're on Jeremy's wide receiver train or another position, at least you could say, you know what? Not only do they need it, and they're talking about getting it, they don't have to worry about the O-line. That's good. Now, the flip side is you have the exact opposite on the D-line, once again. Of the, what, let's say, tw- uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, uh, I'm sorry, six, six, 12. 12 the 12 guys on the active roster for the D-line, um, only four under contract. Ed Oliver, Von Miller, Greg Russo, and Kingsley Jonathan. All, everybody else is scheduled to become a free agent. Sal Capaccio on the Western Hotline. One more, Joe? Do, do, real quick. Did Brandon Bean uh, say yesterday, Sal, that he expects Naheem Hines to be back next year? Because he, he, he he's did. not someone I, – I think I yes. heard that, and I haven't even thought about him with when it pertains to the roster for, obviously, like you know a few months here. Yeah, very end. Um, I'm looking over the roster, and I'm thinking – I don't. Think, I think we got we exhausted everything, and then Hines and Harris were standing out to me in my chart, and I said, "Hey, can you give us an update on both of them?" And he said they are both working to get back. They're rehabbing. He said Damian Harris is going to be a free agent. I mean, listening to him say that, I mean, I don't know. I kind of got the feeling, okay, they're going to let him be a free agent, and then you know, see what happens. But it didn't feel like they were eager necessarily. I'm not. That's my interpretation. But yes, he said Naeem Hines is. Going is working hard, and he should be ready to be a part of OTAs and training camp. So I said that means you're planning on having him on the roster, and he said yes. Like basically, it's this is he's under contract, and they think he's going to be ready. So expect Naeem Himes to be you know on the team going into 2024. All right, I'll expect it then. Thank you, Sal. Long day yesterday. You got it. Credit to the, both. Long of them. day. Yeah, they sure. both they both talked for a long time. You know, it's last time we'll hear from them in a bit. <laughs> So what's next? Senior Bowl? That's the next thing on the docket? 
Yeah, that's going on right this week, I think, right? I mean, obviously, I'm not down there and, and, you know, they're doing that. But then it's Combine, guys, right after that. Mm -hmm. Combine is the end of February. Yeah. And then it's free agency in the middle of March. And then it's owners' meetings at the end of March. I mean, you know, it's just the train never stops, Jeremy. Not just the wide receiver train. The NFL offseason train never stops. The NFL calendar train never stops. So, yeah, we got a lot of those things coming up. Uh, I'm going to be updating everybody on some of the important dates and things that people know. In the meantime, like I said, if people want to see it, um, I color-coded my uh, roster at Sal Sports. You can see there's one ERFA equal rights free agent, Quentin Morris. There are 22 unrestricted free agents, and there are 14 players now they've signed a future reserve contract. Real quick, if I can, people ask me all the time, what does a future reserve contract mean? The best way I can describe it, I don't want to be funny, it's putting a player on layaway, basically. Like, you have him come the new league year. Uh, the difference is that you um, you don't have to pay anything anymore. You already got it. So what happens is here, you're only allowed 53 guys on your active roster right now. So anybody on IR is still not. You know, um, you sign a guy to a future slash reserve deal. That means he's under reserve. He's under contract. Then when the new year hits in March, he just gets pushed put on your active roster. It's literally just storing him away. You have his rights. You can't put him on the active roster. And then as soon as the new league year hits, he and everybody else in the IR and everybody goes on your 90-man roster. So those guys they sign that I have color-coded gray, reserve future, they will be on the team come March. And as long as they pass their physicals and everything, they'll be on the 90-man roster. All right. Thank you, Sal. You got it. When we get back, Sal, if you want, you can play along from home. I've got a quick instant trivia to give to Joe. Involves Travis Kelsey, a former Buffalo Bill, and the playoffs. Mm. Instant trivia next. Instant trivia time. Before we do that, be caller five right now to win a four-pack of tickets for a one-day admission to the 2024 Buffalo Auto Show at the Buffalo Convention Center Thursday, February 1st through Sunday, February 4th. Go to buffaloautoshow.com for tickets and details. So Travis Kelsey is six catches away, postseason catches away, Mm -hmm. from tying Jerry Rice for the most ever postseason catches. I've got the top ten postseason catchers. Your tease was that there's a former Bill on this list. And then you've got Jerry Rice and Travis Kelsey as one and two. So give me eight through ten. Also, while you're doing that, I want to look up the prop for Kelsey's receptions in this game. Yeah. Like, will he get seven to be the most all time just in case he retires? Are they going to do that? The linebackers in (laughs) Baltimore are really good. They might Uh lose this game. Kelsey might be quiet. Anyway, I'm going to look that up while you uh, give me your guesses. All right. Most receptions. Postseason all time. Postseason all time. And you've given me Rice and Kelsey. Kelsey. How about Gronkowski? Fourth with 98 postseason catches. Okay. How about Randy Moss? No. Really? Did not play enough postseason games, I would imagine. There's a lot here that is, think of how many postseason games they would have played. Julian Edelman. Third. Third? He's third all time in... Yep. That's is that why I see like once a year that Edelman should be a Hall of Famer uh, from somewhere in New England. All right. Um, well, with that in mind, is there another Patriot that could be here? There is one more Patriot that could be here. Is it going to be? And it's not Randy Moss. Uh, Danny Amendola didn't play enough, right? Wes Welker, correct. Wes Welker is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. You know, he never won a Super Bowl. Yeah. 
Stat of the day in the hashtag midst. hashtag not a winner. Stat of the day here in the midst. Uh, Bill O'Brien coached eight seasons with Nick Saban at Alabama and Bill Belichick in New England combined and never won a championship. And now he's at Ohio State. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. How about top ten all time in receptions in the postseason? Is there another another eighties niner on here? No. Okay. Good because I don't think I would have been able to name another one. Uh. How about Terrell Owens? No. Mm. You still haven't hit your former Bill. Oh, right, the former Bill. Sammy Watkins played a lot of playoff games, but there's no way. Um, former Bill, Andre Reid. Yes, he's 10th. Okay. Look at Andre making it in their top 10. Yep. Um, Marvin Harrison. No, but same team. Reggie Wayne. Correct. Okay. Reggie Wayne, 93 postseason catches. How many do I have left? Like two? You have three left. Three left. You have number five, eight, and nine. Five, eight, and nine. Okay. How about... You would have seen all these players play. Oh, good. Larry... Uh, no, no, no. Wait, Cardinals. No way. I mean, I think you would have seen... I think so. You're younger than I probably give credit for. So so, that, so we, we got a guy in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I think, from, uh, from yep, that hand. Yep. Two of those, and you've got a guy playing right now. How about uh, Torrey Holt? No. His teammate? No. Okay. There's a guy playing now? Right now. He plays this weekend. No, he doesn't. Never mind. Oh, recently eliminated. Uh, who just got eliminated this weekend? And who would I think is playing this weekend but isn't because he's not on that team anymore, obviously. Oh. Tyreek uh, Hill? Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Fifth. Oh, okay. Tyreek Hill's fifth. Number eight, number nine is what you're missing. Okay. With uh, franchises that have won multiple Super Bowls, these guys won Super Bowls. Dion Branch. No. I think we were done on Patriots. Um, these guys won multiple Super Bowls? The franchises have multiple Super Bowls. They are, you know, as big as franchises get. How about what Steeler is going to be on here? Correct. Uh, is it going to be Santonio Holmes? No. Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward. Eighth all-time in postseason catches. And number nine? Multiple championships. Is this going to be a Packer? No. Is this going to be a... He's on television. He's on television. He yells. He gets upset. A lot, especially oh, when they just lost a couple Steve weeks. Steve Smith. No. Come on. He gets upset when his team oh, loses. They, they don't have multiple Super Bowl. Well, he was on And Raven. they just lost. He, oh, he, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin is ninth overall. Those are your top I didn't ten. see Michael Irvin play. You didn't? No. I, like I, I did couch it and say maybe not. I forget how young you are. When did he retire? 94, 95? 99. 99, okay. Okay, so I would have seen him at the age of four right at the end. Don't remember it, but how, oh you were, you, you how did mo- I not get this receiver gets angry when his team loses on television? <laughs> Michael Ir- Michael Irvin was so gettable. Although Steve Smith gets angry usually. Yet. Did wow. he try to fight the Steelers players on the sideline once when they like bumped into him on TV? Wasn't that George Pickens? Like he didn't respect him enough or something? That know. was uh, Jerry Judy. Oh, right. Jerry Judy. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. All right. 803-0550. Joe Marino, Locked on Bills podcast. We'll talk to him about the Bills end of season. Where to go from here, the game plan they had against the Chiefs, and how to maybe not have game plans like that anymore because you have more talent on the offense. Is that what's to work here? Uh, Whatever. We'll get into it all with Joe Marino, of course, who will guide us through the wide receiver train, all the sights we're going to see along the way. Joe's going to be one of our go-tos. So stay tuned for that. Coming up next here on WGR.